Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Nate. This week on the podcast, we welcome teachers and administration from Chicago Waldorf School. Chicago Waldorf provides a diverse pre-K through 12th grade education that supports the development of self-directed young adults dedicated to the pursuit of ongoing learning and eager to contribute positively to the global society of the 21st century. Teachers in Waldorf schools are dedicated to generating an inner enthusiasm for learning within every child. This eliminates the need for competitive testing, academic placement, and rewards to motivate learning and allows motivation to arise from within. It helps engender the capacity for joyful, lifelong learning. You can find Chicago Waldorf School at 5200 North Ashland. Welcome, you two. Can you start by telling us your names and what roles you play at the Waldorf School? Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah Wellington. I teach drama here at the high school, uh, at the Chicago Waldorf School High School. I'm also working in admissions. I'm a ninth grade class sponsor. Um, we all have multiple hats at this school. So those are some of mine. And this yes. is my colleague. I'm Catherine Rogers, and I have been teaching here for, I think, almost a decade. I teach woodworking, and I teach high school art, painting specifically. Um, and also, I have a couple of kids at the school, so I'm also a parent. And so am I, and I forgot to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. Can you um, explain a little bit more about uh, what the, the Waldorf School is and how your process might be different from a traditional school? Yeah, I mean, I think some ways we're very similar to schools. We, all schools, we love children and we think their education is fairly sacred and a path to a future known and unknown. And we want to do our best to prepare them in a, and serve them for what that future might unfold for them. But I think what makes us different is a couple of things that stand out for me, because I did teach before coming to this school. I taught at an independent school and in college level. And what drew me to this education were that Steiner, Rudolf Steiner, who uh, sort of wrote it out and created it more than 100 years ago, really focused and highlighted the human being as the center of all um, of our, all our existence. And, and that it wasn't training the human, human being to be a good citizen or a good worker. It was really just reverence for each and every one of us um, and what the capacities or the reasons um, that we encounter in life for everything we do, the meaning that it has. And I think I just hadn't really ever experienced that in the other schools that I worked at where that the student was always helped along and all the teachers really did their best. And, but just to take time out to say, wait, what does this person need and who are they trying to become? And, and what does the world need? You know, in the future, you can't know, but you can start to imagine and you can plan for what you don't know. Um, so that's the one thing is that the human being is at the center of what we do. And we think of that human being as being a physical human being, their physical development, all the things that go with that. But as well, it's their soul or their heart, you know, who they, what their feelings are, and then their spirit, what their, like their higher calling might be. Um, and those things aren't known consciously for any younger student, of course, but that we want to be working to give them a variety of experiences and, and look at how they move through those and how their learning develops with an understanding that it might be for a much bigger picture than we understand and can see. And it's much more important than just learning your times tables, though, of course, you still have to learn your times mm -hmm. tables. Um, and that's very helpful. But I, I think it's just 
I find it's very, it's a very humble education that way. It's very humbling to be a teacher here because um, it's a grand task that, you know, frankly, I don't think we ever feel we live up to, but uh, the striving and the, the sense of reverence, I guess, that we have for the students is, is pretty deep. And, and so with that, I think what makes the school unique is that all the teachers are joined in, in that sort of view of each and every student. And other schools I've been at have had amazing teachers, but the, the common language, if you will, isn't built in. And I think that's a really unifying thing at a Waldorf school that allows us to at least begin our journey together in a very supportive and sort of looking in a certain direction. So we're really looking at, you know, we talk a lot here about a, the picture of child development. And, you know, so often you kind of hear out in the world, you know, um, talk about children, you know, almost being like little mini adults, you know, they're just, they're adults, but in miniature. And, and that's not what they are. They are what they are. And we want to honor and acknowledge and really work with where they're at at that time. So from the ages from one to seven, for example, that those sort of first seven years of life, they're really in their bodies. That's, you know, that they're, they're getting used to these new forms that they've come into these new bodies. And so we really want to want to work with that. And what did they need to do? How did they learn? They're sure they learn with their brains and, you know, and, and they, they have hearts, but they're really learning by experience. They're learning by like what happens when I throw something down and it falls, you know, or what happens when I try to go higher than, than I should on a tree. Um, I'm going to have to navigate my way down. And um, but they think they're not thinking in this sort of terribly cerebral, you know, intellectual way. They're really almost thinking through their fingers and their hands and their feet and their limbs. And that's also how they're connecting with each other. It's almost just like a very authentic way of learning and a natural way of learning from the way you both describe it. Um, and you actually mentioned Rudolf Steiner, uh, the originator of the Waldorf School. Um, I actually have a quote from him in our notes. Um, he says, our highest endeavor must be to develop free human beings who are able of themselves to impart purpose and direction to their lives. Um, I just kind of want to know as two people who have taught for years. Um, what difference do you see in the development of kids at the Waldorf School versus in your previous school years? I, I could speak to yeah. that because I, I, I think I deliberately chose to leave what were some very nice schools and very you know, wonderful colleagues to join this school. Um, and that was because, Kaylee, what you just said about the development. And I saw, like just as Sarah was beginning to describe, there's this sort of three-part formula that Steiner sketched out for child development to keep it simple. It's the first seven years, the zero to seven, and then that's through a physical will, like a doing kind of a learning. And then the second set is more through your, what he would call your feeling sense, your heart. And so you live into a very deep sense of stories and stories really sort of are such an individual and collective thing that the class can share. Um, and they develop, they have such vivid imaginations that it really have develops their imagination capacities very strongly in those next seven. And then for the, basically the high school student through even to college, which we don't go to college here, like we don't cover that, but um, that's where they're really honing their thinking skills. So your analytic ability, your observational ability, cause and effect to be very concrete. There's stages in thinking that all schools, you know, have. 
But I think because we allow the student to just sort of work through those organic stages of development, what I noticed is that our students are just have more like they're more grounded and it's more natural. They're not stressing so much because they're not being asked to do something sort of ahead of their development. And as well, when they get to the next stage or the stage they're in, they have resources. They're really like vigorous and vital in that stage because they're doing sort of what's natural to them. You know, it's like eating dinner when you're hungry <laughs> rather than trying to eat dinner when you weren't hungry. You aren't going to eat as well. The food won't taste as good. And so it's that kind of doing the right thing at the right time kind of idea that um, and not trying to do too many things. You know, let's just attend to what's you know needed now and really deeply go into that and freely go into that. And then the freedom part where that connects is if you've given the student the right things at the right time, they have an internal sense of self that's been built up through those many years of experiences. Sorry for this fire engine. <laughs> um, and uh, what I noticed with my own kids, because now I have a 25 year old and a 23 year old uh, is is they can make decisions in the world very comfortably and not arrogantly and you know not but just they know what will work for them and what won't there's a sense of knowing yourself as a learner as a human being from these all these kinds of experiences and i think what we kind of cherish here um which yeah, I, I would say we, we put value on is trying, striving to do something and it being okay if you don't make it. Oh, yeah. um, and that's so important. The failure is actually really almost, almost more important than, than the success in the sense of that's where the growth is going to happen. Uh, you know, we when we fail at things, whether we're children or adults, we really get to meet ourselves and, and how do we, you know, respond to that failure? What are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, dust ourselves down and get back up and try something else? Or are, we, or are we going to find that we're overwhelmed and we don't know how to go forward? And what are we going to do with that? And that sort of, I would say also our, our focus here is the freedom of the individual is comes out of the responsibility of uh, the individual to oneself, but also very much as important is the responsibility of the individual to the group. So we work on that so much, you know, from early childhood, um, and I don't mean forcing people to be friends, but that we, we live in a social environment. You're not going to be best friends with everybody, but you, we live in a social environment and how we contribute to each other um, is another measure of success. So um, I would say, you know, we're really, our approach is very much a kind of a process oriented approach. So that the, as I say, the being successful or completing something well is incredibly important, but so is the journey how you get there. Because once the, once the, um, the, the, the product is made, whatever it is that you're doing, that is now done and finished. You know, you need to be able to go on and learn forward after that. And that comes definitely out of process. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to piggyback um, on what Sarah just said. She made me think of some things. And one one or two distinct differences also that are concrete in the curriculum are the fact that students in grade school stay with the same class and the same teacher for like it's a lot. It's extensive looping for a very long time. So that, that sensitivity, that responsibility to one another and holding your own space in a group is something that just gets worked on over and again, because you're not going to 
like wait out the year and get a whole bunch of new classmates the next year and a new teacher and be like, oh yeah, game over. I'm out of here. <laughs> like that's not really the option. And so we have to work things through and the teacher is very much a partner in that. The other thing that I think is unique about the, school, the Waldorf schools in general is that they have a very broad curriculum descriptions. So there's like woodworking and handwork and handwork is knitting and crocheting and sewing and, and dyeing wool or fabrics or things and and woodwork is making dishes or spoons and as well as making stools and then they have two languages taught and there's painting and there's clay and there's all the the academic subjects you know the sciences and the um, humanities and it's just a really really broad curriculum so nobody is really ever good at everything right <laughs> and then there's a lot of jump roping and movement so you know even if you're brilliant you know let's say in your book work, but then you've got to do like double dutch jump roping and oh my God, is it hard? <laughs> and uh, and so everybody has to, you know, jump in literally to things that are easy and natural and some things that aren't. And that's also where the group works together and where failure is, is just part of the process. It's not a big deal because you know what? You're it's unlikely you're going to be brilliant and perfect all the time. It's just. You forgot to say drama. And drama, I'm very sorry. Upset. Yeah. <laughs> but drama is, um, you know, everybody does drama here from from the kindergarten. They That's make true. their own puppets. They literally make hand sew their own puppets and then make a show at the end. That's sort of like their kindergarten graduation. And then through all the grade school classes, yeah. there are class plays. And then as you come into the high school, every grade does uh, a, a performance culminating in the 12th grade where at the end of 12th grade is when they do their play and they've, you know, basically they've done all their college applications. They've done their senior projects, which is a major like capstone achievement of the senior year, which we should probably tell you about that too. Um, they've done all their sort of their academic, you know, they're, they're on their way and they come together at the end of this, their 12th grade year and they act, direct, do make costumes, sets, lighting, set, the whole thing as their final gift to the community before they leave and go off on their separate ways. So um, what I think, what students really gain from this education is they are required, they are challenged in multiple areas. And if you think about it, if you are challenged in areas where you are not so strong or you're not so interested, but you have to do it anyway, that's where there is most opportunity for growth. And so you don't become imbalanced. This, what we're looking for is to create balance in human beings so that you don't have to be, you know, the math person or the jock or right. the, you know, yeah. the, the linguist or whatever, that you really have resources that are wide and deep. Based on everything that you've just said, um, I want to ask because I'm a creative mind myself and I love art and the way that you all teach and the way that you encourage um, just the ability to do anything and to kind of learn on their own and be hands-on. Do you see more creativity develop in the children as they go about their years? Yeah. I mean, I, what I think is particularly fun is a creativity and I'm a painter. So like, you know, it's been my life's work to think about things and try to do stuff like that. Uh, but creativity starts to really broaden and you see it in all sorts of ways that you might not expect, like in math or science, where I don't think of that as super expressive or creative. But like we have a math teacher here who does amazing chalk drawings on the what was our 
back lot where she's practicing these big geometric, you know, I don't even know what it is. I think it's some kind of geometry, projective geometry type <laughs> fancy math, but she makes it all visual and they're in chalk drawings and they're stunning. They're just stunning. So you see creative work happening in places that maybe aren't labeled creative. Um, and then the fun thing I always find about students is because it, it's this funny human nature thing, the th area that they don't think they're good at because they have to keep trying because that's part of the, you know, the set curriculum, they usually just blast off and, and take a leap and all of a sudden are good at it. And then they recognize, and I, even as I say it, I get goose chills <laughs> because it's one of the most thrilling parts of being a teacher. And we all have many examples of this, but you know, they didn't think they could do fill in the blank, mm -hmm. whatever that is. And then with some, you know, keep it, keep it going, perseverance and encouragement, they do. And then all of a sudden they have a whole language that, you know, whether it's math or it's painting or drama or whatever that opens up to them that they didn't have that. They didn't think they had that language before. And I think the cool thing is our students, when they go out in the world, having had that experience, they take that sort of that expectation that I can do it. And it just takes time and maybe a little more effort in some areas than in others. But it's it's in everything and that's a beautiful like universal i think worldview yeah i think they because uh well creativity itself so if you if you're doing if you're doing a lot of uh you know a range of arts all the time and then if you are also being taught in a you know mathematics or science or, or history, you know, you're being taught in a creative and a storytelling kind of a way where you're engaged with the human beings and their creativity in your own learning. And that's how the teachers are approaching it. Then you just become this, you know, kind of generative human being who, who approaches everything creatively. And we know that whatever the world is going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years time, we don't know what it's going to look like, but we know we're going to need people who can really like think and figure things out and you know problem solve and be create you can't problem solve with things you already know and have learned you, you've got to be able to apply that thinking to what you don't know and um we're challenging students to do that all the time um and i think you know one of the the really exciting things is we have a a big entry point in our school is in ninth grade Right. So we have a lot of students who've been to other elementary schools, other middle schools, but they come and join us in ninth grade. And then they'll look at sort of, you know, some of the, the work that our grade school students have done or our previous yeah. high school students have done. And, and you know, quite understandably, like at the beginning, they're like, whoa, I am not used to, um, you know, writing up, you know, creating what we call a block book where they're, they're essentially uh, taking all the work that they've done during one particular block, you know, the, the lectures that they've heard, the research they've done, the drawings that they've done, um, the results that they've, and they're, they're making this sort of creative book, if you like, complete with a cover. And they think like, well, I've never done anything like that before. I can't do that. But it's amazing how quickly, just with the space and the tools that they pick up on. And in fact, you know, they make leaps and bounds in a way that, you know, you, you might not expect and they might not expect. And that is, you know, as a teacher, it's just really thrilling to be part of that journey with them. Yeah. And I, I think that is 
an amazing part of especially the work you're doing is that it's directly having a positive impact on the community and especially the youth in this area. Um, to kind of circle back, um, I would like to inquire a little bit more about your service learning aspects at the CWS, um, because I think that especially when you were speaking earlier about the um, your you're engaging children and uh, teenagers and young adults to grow their abilities to communicate with groups and their peers and engage with the community. I think that that service learning aspect of it is one of the most important parts, especially for a young person. You kind of explain more about um, maybe some of the important projects you've done in the past or some of the benefits that you see in uh, children or teens growing up engaging those programs. Yeah, I'm, I would just say that like drama, like a lot of things, because it is a, a K through 12 education, that service learning aspect actually starts young <laughs> and is in small bits that are appropriate for a younger child and then growing as the child grows. And so there's many things that are happening. Uh, there's just work done in school, which is a lot of, you know, the green team that'll help do the recycling and things like that. So it's very um organic haha, um, to the school <laughs> day. But then there's one thing that I think we all really love. And I think pretty much our students adore as well are these trips that we go on every year. So there's overnight trips. Uh, and again, they start small and grow. And by the time the students are in high school, they're nearly two weeks every year where they our students will go to different um, places and do service work. And so it starts out in ninth grade, they do farming and they'll go work a farm and learn all about that kind of work. And then in 10th grade, they do some sort of house building. And in the past, we've gone to um, New Orleans to help rebuild after Hurricane Katrina. 11th grade, they go to a special uh, community that also came, is founded by Steiner or some of his writings called a Camp Hill community where it's a mixed abilities community where residents are living there and um, homeowners or caretakers that oversee the residents in a very, like, it's like a village kind of a model, which is pretty cool. And, and beautiful so, village. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's a Shangri-La kind of beautiful farming with organic plants and beautiful wildflower gardens and incredible food. Uh, <laughs> and then just people roaming on acres of land. And for a, an urban city dweller, it's a really nice you know, change for them to see that kind of lifestyle and see people of all abilities working together and contributing. And just that sort of that vision, that, that, that picture that everybody, there's a place for everyone. There's contributions everyone has to make. And it's just society that needs to be able to adapt to people instead of people <laughs> trying to adapt to a factory model or whatever that would lead us all into a, a very harmonious and appreciative of one another, respectful way of living. And then the 12th grade year, our students have gotten to choose a kind of service project. So when we were advisors, they chose, they wanted to do refugee work. This is a number of years ago. And then after that, the class wanted to do um, more environmental work. And we were able to partner with uh, this organization called Rustic Pathways that took us to the Dominican Republic. And even though it was one place, there was obviously a lot of different things that needed to be done in any one place. And so they were able to do these this very intense work, frankly, and see another culture and experience it, which of course, like all travel makes you realize more about yourself and your own culture themes and, and problems are not unique to you. <laughs> and um, 
all places have histories like that. So I think it's a very appropriate thing for the 12th grader to sort of be able to look around and, and see in relationship, you know, how things are the same and, um, and also see out and how to serve other people that I think, and actually to tell you the truth, our students ask for that. They want more service. Mm -hmm. I think more and more because of a variety of cultural factors, perhaps the internet and being more aware of information and, and understanding human experience around the globe, our students are really calling for us to do to do more and to be more engaged. And that's our challenge now is to find really good partnerships. And so anybody listening, if you mm -hmm. would like have any, you know, good volunteer partnerships that you would like some very good workers, um, we have also weekly service or service like on a monthly basis throughout the year. If you were a local organization, please give us a call. Mm -hmm. Well, we're also this year instigating um, a kind of a Friday, a free, not a free Friday afternoon, but an open space Friday afternoon for students where we really want um, people to come in and speak, you know, um, about projects that they're doing or um, community outreach that they're involved in. Yeah. We want we want to get our students out into the city too, into that so that they know where they are. And um, and we want the students also to, you know, find um projects and, and interests that they you know that they can then start to cultivate um during this time you know maybe the speakers that they want to have come in or um people they want to partner with um and so that's exciting you know we've been here for three years in this building you know um sort of figuring out our you know uh i think you put it really well you said like we've it's like we've moved house yeah and we've unpacked all the boxes and we've started to get you know everything in its place and we've cleaned up um and it's you know that's taken some time but now that we've sort of landed uh we really want to sort of see like you know who are we here what is our community uh you know the andersonville community how can we partner um and we've got you know tremendous project of our own that is happening right now outside um we uh it's been so finding a, a permanent home has been like this huge dream because the school's been around for like 40 plus years but we finally found our permanent home in this beautiful building the trumbull building and so now we've got the insides sort of pretty much figured sure. out um always a work in progress uh we're now doing the outside and it is super exciting this project that the i don't know if you can hear the the diggers and jackhammers i, I kind of hope you can't but they're out there and that will do two really important things i think more but two that i can think of specifically which uh is um for us to really connect with our community because the space will also be available to the community after hours. And we really want uh, Andersonville neighbors to come in and be part of this space with us. And, and it also um, really um, connects us with a, a very important part of this education, which is nature being outdoors and connecting with nature, which, you know, is a, a a really interesting place, a really interesting sort of ethos to have when you are in urban school. So we're not, you know, like many Waldorf schools are in, you know, acres and acres of land, you know, out sort of in the middle of nowhere and it's gorgeous and wonderful. Um, and this is all around the world, by the way, there are schools literally all around the world, but we're not, we're in Chicago. We are um, 
despite my you know strange sounding accent we are in chicago and this city has its own character and its own history its own roots and we very much you know want to honor that while still being able to connect students with nature and so our outdoor space is going to do so much of that job yeah i i mean i really want to underscore for anybody listening that we really do want to get to know our neighbors and so anyone also listening, if you, you know, if you just want, if you have something you want to share or any help with, please give us a call and we'll love to have a conversation. Um, because, you know, like Sarah said, we've been spending a lot of time unpacking and sorting and, and, you know, just like you do in a new home, trying to settle in, but now we're ready to sort of look out and engage and, um, just at this time and in, in our culture, I just think that's really important for all of us to have real conversations. So we would like to just get to know people. Um, and then the, the playground or the outdoor space really is a chance to play outside. And that's another main theme in our curriculum is the idea of play and that play when it's taken seriously um, is, a, is this incredible free imaginative place for, for children, younger children. And as your work as you get older and your your play starts to evolve it actually turns into meaningful work and so that you still have that same feeling ideally the best work is the work where you sort of feel free or playful in the work itself and and that's what we also hope for our students and so being outside is such a different kind of experience than being inside it's as simple as that and we are we've never had like any kind of an outdoor space like this Trumbull campus has afforded us and I just want to talk about maybe three new things that are going to go in the play space because um, maybe four actually, because I just thought of one um, <laughs> extra, but I, that just to give everybody a, like a little feeling of how they might be different. So one is going to be this boulder fort, which is going to have huge boulders and it's just going to be like, it sounds kind of rugged and erratic and strange and climbing in that space uh, is going to be unexpected and just not predictable. So that's kind of, again, gets back to our curriculum. We want things that are challenging, that are a little different, that test us, but also open things up for us. And this boulder fort could be something for toddlers to kind of, you know, crawl on the ground with. It could be something for, you know, those younger adolescents or middle, like 10-year-old, 12-year-old students to really test their strength. And, and then teenagers could hang out around there. And even people who are older, like me, or even older, um, could just hang out at the, at the end of the day and watch the sun going down and enjoy the space and, and being the, the idea of scale, that something's bigger than us and that it's natural. Uh, and there's also a parkour course that goes to that that's going to test your movement and ducking down and reaching up and jumping, taking challenges on. And so the idea is like, go from like the predictable kind of movement from like stairs to stumps you know things that you don't like when you walk on a cliffy surface or from monkey bars that are you know i love them but still they're they're a little predictable right and then you can go to branches there's going to be a huge branch out there like branch isn't the right word because it's i think it's really really big um but it's going to give students that sensory experience of, of testing themselves in different surfaces and things like that. And there is actually going to, our second one is a sensory garden for young, young ones, toddlers and four or five, six-year-olds. And that's going to have sand and water. Um, and again, uh, encourage exploration. So things that are seeming wild or nookish spaces that you have to go seek and find. 
Um, and then the last one that I wanted to for sure mention was called the council circle. And that's gonna be um, a ring, I think of stones or I think it's stones, right? Uh, with a fire feature in the middle. And that's gonna be the meeting place because that the idea of a meeting place is a timeless ancient human need <laughs> you can you know stonehenge comes to mind something that marks the space and invites us in that that has a center and um and so that will be a place for us to commune together classes might be out there or have lunch together or a lecture could be had for a history you know class right there it could also then open up to the community and be places for other people to gather or to gather with us and the last thing I have to say, there will be a full-size basketball court because <laughs> I've got two sons that love basketball. When they saw, they're like, "Wow, mom, a basketball court!" So you know, just for anybody who likes to shoot the hoop, to the hoops. But um, and that we, I think, want to say that part of the inspiration for this, we've always wanted an outdoor space. But I think two of our guides in this journey were two students that uh, that left us and had to. Um, that passed on and was very sad for our community. One was Eleanor Leonard and the other one's Jordan Gutierrez. And so their spirits were something that we really just focused on and gave attention to and tried to hear what they would have wanted. And Eleanor was this very vivacious, adventuresome. She was your brave, you know, risk taker. And um, she was a unicyclist as well. Yeah. Anything hard was the thing to do yeah. and and just did it with gusto, you know, failure and success is all tumbling together. And, and so that kind of spirit of what childhood needs to be was really um, inspirational, I think, for us as, as tragic as it was also for us. And then Jordan Gutierrez was she was this. I mean, just this warm strength. And so the council mm -hmm. circle really is in dedication to her because mm -hmm. she's one of those people that just by virtue of her self brought people to her and people wanted to be with her. Mm -hmm. And she was really, I think, very like respectful and listening to them. She was, she was um, a real yeah, leader, a, just naturally a leader, a quiet leader, you know, who was just very secure in herself and drew people to her. So you can, you can imagine if you think about the fire in the middle of the council ring, you know, the word, the word fire in Latin is, you know, it's really the word focus. It brings focus in. And um, you can see that Jordan will be bringing people in to talk yeah. and, and be together and be kind as, as with Nora. Yeah. So we just want to make sure to mention them because they are really living with us. That's fantastic. And I was actually going to bring that up. Um, we did have that in our notes. Um, it's Nora's Sun and Moon Park, right? That's right. Yeah. That's great. Um, I just wanted to say too, based on listening to you two, and I think Nate can agree, this school and these students could not ask for two better and more passionate people than YouTube. Just the way you talk so highly about what you're doing and the education and just your students, like it, it's fantastic. And I don't know, I'm, I'm very inspired by you too, if that means anything. Um, that's, that means a real lot. Thank you. Yeah. Period. What's going on? <laughs> I just think that's where we're meant to do this, and that's fantastic. Um, but we get, we're very lucky. Oh, yes, you are. Love that. <laughs> Getting goosebumps whenever you talk. It's it's quite inspiring. 
It's great. I still getting teary eyed. Okay. I need to move on. <laughs> um, Come on down because that's what we do. I mean, that yeah. is, you know, when you're really giving true appreciation to one another and to each and every one of us, I mean, it just touches something in us. It's what we all need is to truly be seen mm-hmm. and, and truly be met. And it just touches like what is essential in all of us when we do that with one another. So I think we do cry a lot too. We do. And I, I, you know, what you're just saying that I think, you know, we're coming, we're all as a society and as a community, you're coming out of, I say coming out of, maybe I'm being a little bit, you know, optimistic here, but we're, we've emerged at least out of 18 months of one experience. And that made last year, you know, working with students really, really special because it, we dialed down to what were the essentials and the essentials it seemed, you know, to us was that the human being and the student, the adolescent, you know, particularly maybe need to be seen and heard and feel connected. And if they have those three things, then they've got the tools that, you know, they they then have everything else. Do you know what I mean? They can bring they what they need. Yeah. And so, you know, thinking back to when you were saying about service learning, you know, obviously that was one thing that kind of went by the wayside. We did not get to go on our service learning trips for two years running. And so we kind of brought the service in-house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, when things are taken away, space is created and new things happen. And one of the new things that happened last year, um, we had this uh, new ninth grade class, you know, half of whom had been in our grade school, half of whom had come from other schools, but they couldn't really all be together. So, um, I mean, last year we were, we, we were really lucky. We were able to keep the school open in person, but there were some students for whom that just was not an option. So we were able to do this, you know, hybrid where we had kids on Zoom and kids in person. And so the the real, um, to me, the challenge was, you know, how do, we, how do we bring them together? How do we weave them together when they're literally in different spaces? And there were various ways that we did that. But one of the ways that was um, just really wonderful and exciting was this service learning project brought to us by a grandparent, actually, in our community, who works with various um, different church organizations um, and um, for making sack lunches for people experiencing homelessness. And we were able to be just like a really small part of that. So on Friday afternoons, when, you know, everybody had left the building, um, as long as our, you know, students who were learning remotely could fulfill, they hadn't, you know, they hadn't got symptoms and they were maintaining distance and all the rest of it. They were able to come into school after hours with their classmates and and some 10th grade too, because we were all a cohort together. And we learned how to be part of this sack lunch project. And, you know, not terribly, terribly complicated, making sandwiches, you know, putting them in bags, but we had kind of like a like a conveyor belt thing going on. And the kids got really competitive and it was fun. And, you know, for the first few weeks, our grandparent and, uh, you know, the teachers, the faculty were sort of showing the kids how to set things up. And, you know, this is what you... After a couple of weeks, they just did it. They, they didn't need us anymore. I mean, they really didn't need us anymore. We just sat back. They got the whole deal, everything unpacked, everything unloaded, everything organized. And so what you then saw, what we were able to step back and really observe in them is that through doing meaningful work, 
they created not just good for other people, but this whole like social environment where they were learning about each other and having fun that they so needed, you know, they felt so isolated and they are the tightest class. And who would have thought after a year of hardly being together, they ended up the tightest class. And um, I mean, I don't mean that in a competitive way. I just mean they ended up really, really close and knowing each other. And um, we just had a gathering yesterday, actually, out at Winnemac Park, which has been another huge like bonus for us to be able to walk over there. We did classes over there last last year. Um, And we had this, you know, what was ninth grade last year. They're now 10th grade. Um, kind of hosting and, and you know, bringing in the new ninth grade. And so we've got this, you know, beautiful cohort all playing together, climbing trees, of course. Um, and uh, just, yeah, just got excited to get back, you know, to school. And we're going to kick the year off next week with a camping trip, a ca- say camping, cabin trip, uh, where the whole high school will get together. And um, we're going to, you know, do some activities, have some fun and like, you know, get ready to kick this 2021-22 year into gear. So it should be fun. Yeah, I just think it's important for like that work was so important. And I think all students need this, that even in times of challenge and restriction or obstacles, that they we all do have resources. We have one another when we come together, and this is a basic human truth, it's not our truth, that <laughs> um, when you know we're stronger together and we can come together and we can make positive things happen for each other and for others. And I think that is something we can't lose sight of and we certainly don't want our students to lose sight of. And I think the service work really does bring that all out because it isn't about your individual performance or your individual like anything actually it's your contribution is with is you know folds in with everyone else's and i i think for students especially maybe with some this sort of unknown you know not so great covid you know result world results that we have to live in right now i think it's very important to know you're not powerless you don't have to just wait for something to happen to you you can still come together and i think teenagers particularly are really ripe for that message and that's actually something I wanted to touch base on, especially for the community in Andersonville. Um, can you kind of uh, go over some of the uh, precautions that you're going to be doing for this school year um, in regards to COVID-19? I know you might have touched on it a little bit, but can you kind of just give a broad overview, uh, a quick broad overview of some of the uh, uh, precautions that you're taking place? Well, first of all, we obviously are following every one of Um, Governor Pritzker's or um, Mayor Lightfoot's, you know, regulations. So the masking, the distancing, the sanitizing of hands um, and, you know, ventilation and the ventilation in every room that we got, you know, we're lucky we have a big building, you know, and, and our class sizes were not terribly large. And so we were able to maintain those standards throughout the year. And so I, I'm imagining given I mean, I was driving here today and I heard the governor on the radio. <laughs> so I think there's as these new um, requirements are coming out, we will be following them. And and actually, we didn't have an outbreak, I don't think, at school at all last year. We had people who were um, who, who were exposed to COVID outside of, of school. And then the class had to go on um, a quarantine for the allotted two weeks or, or 10 days, whatever the best rule was, but we were able to maintain a safe space, you know, 
and I think that's kind of amazing. <laughs> um, but it, we all follow the rules. And we, we are so fortunate. We've got um, in our own parent community, we've got doctors who I think work in like all the major hospitals in Chicago who have been able to advise us, you know, from from the get go from of COVID. And their advice has and, and they know our community. So that's also you've got that sort of human element is so helpful. What they have advised us is, you know, a multi-layer approach is the key to success. And that was born out last year. So having, there's not one thing that's going to make sure that everything's okay, but you have this multi-layered approach that Catherine just outlined. And then what you do is you, um, you kind of, you know, you have a social responsibility to each other. So you, you don't put other people in danger because you care about them. And we all signed a form. It was a health community commitment form that, you know, I won't come to school if, you know, X, Y, and Z is occurring. And I will let you know if this has happened in my family. And, and that along just with, you know, just great goodwill, um, not, of course, it wasn't easy for anybody, but um, what it meant was that, you know, I think the parents were very invested because it meant many, many children, probably two thirds of our children were able to be in school last year. Uh, and then the others were very well, you know, taken care of if they were, you know, working from home. And then as you know, and, and we all know this from COVID, right? You start with one set of criteria and then things shift. So you have to be flexible. So here, here we go with our inner flexibility, you know, that we're, we're cultivating in ourselves and our students is, you know, at the beginning of the year, it was, it was very, very, the parameters were, were kind of narrow, you know, and then we were able to just expand a little bit, just a little bit, just to make things, you know, be smooth and, and to honor, you know, um, we, we couldn't have an assembly at the beginning of the year, but we were able to, in the end to have graduation, you know, in the building by the end of the year, because all our seniors were vaccinated. And then we put people in pods, you know, in the auditorium. So being able to work in that, you know, literally, we're literally walking the walk, being flexible and problem solving, creative thinking has helped us have a really successful year. And so that's what we're going to do this year. I think that your results are just really important because I think it's a testament to your success and that your procedures do work and that can provide a safe experience for the community and for the families and the students. I think that's really important. Um, so I applaud you for all the good work that you're doing. We have to give a lot of credit to the, our medical advisory group, to the, our school leadership, their levels, and then just to one another, to every single person doing their part. It really is you know, kind of simple, like you've heard it before, <laughs> but it does, it does work. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of diligent, very thorough and thoughtful help, and it will continue this year. Love it. We are actually going to transition into our rapid fire questions now. Um, these are more intended to be fun. Um, we're going to ask them quickly, but you by no means have to answer them quickly. They're just kind of to get to know you more, both of you. And yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, so I will start. You mentioned theater and how important that is for your students and you as well. I mean, I'm sure you enjoy watching them. Are either of you theater lovers yourselves? And if so, do you have a favorite show you've either been to or would like to see? I do love theater and there hasn't been much, um, but just lately I was able to go and see one of my students in Spelling Bee out at um, Metropolis Theater. And that was, that was great to be able to see students on the stage, all masked, you know, just, 
just going with it. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. a year ago we were like, you can't, you can't do theater in a mask. And now it's like, yeah, we can, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so that was fun. And then um, I went with uh, a, a couple, a, a graduated student and family to see uh, Schoolgirls, the African Mean Girls play at the Goodman, which was excellent. I think it's just closing, but you know, we're Chicago. This is storefront theater land. This is Steppenwolf's, you know, I, the only theater company I'd heard of before I came to Chicago was Steppenwolf Theater Company. I was like, I want to work there. And I was really lucky that within, you know, a year of my landing on these shores, I got to work at Steppenwolf. And uh, Chicago theater is just an amazing story. And I'm just so glad I landed here, even though I come from London, you know, where you think that would be, you know, which is wonderful. But by God, this is, you know, this is the place of working actors, visceral working actors. And I'm so, so thankful that mm. I get to be here. Oh. There you go. I'll let her do that one. <laughs> I was gonna, well, I can ask you, do you have a favorite artist? My problem is I won't be able to pronounce his name lately. Um, he's Chinese and actually he's showing at the Art Institute and Tai, that's his first name. I can do that part, but his last name is X-Y-X-I-A-N-G-H-Z-O-U. So I'm not really sure how that goes, but he, I would highly encourage anybody to go see. He's done the most cosmologies is what he's done. These ink paintings where he's reinvented um, what is the ancient art of Chinese landscape painting in a much more contemporary way. Uh, and it, and it's just ink on paper and it's, it's amazing what he can do with that and, and the beautiful textures. And then I, I really liked the Biza Butler um, exhibit as well because of how she combines craft and, and painting kind of vocabulary. So I'm hoping to take the students to those exhibits. That's on the to-do list, so. And me to the theater, that's, yeah. If it's out there, we're doing it yeah. this year. Oh yeah, we've got to get out. I mean, getting out is actually a good thing anyway. Social yeah. distancing <laughs> keeps us like a little spread out, but yeah. Besides from the courses that you personally teach, is there any course that you would like to take yourself at CWS? I would like to take projective geometry mm -hmm. and then I would like to make constructions like three-dimensional constructions out of that. So projective geometry is something I don't quite understand because it's not regular geometry, but it's literally trying to see what happens if you would project it out into space and you solve these sort of bigger spatial questions. Um, but drawing is a big part of like how to help your thinking because you're, and I'm a visual thinker, obviously. So this works for me. Um, but I would love, I mean, it seems to me you could do that with like light sculpture or big, huge sheets of plexiglass and make incredible constructions out of that. So I would like to take projective geometry. I think most of us really, you know, would go to any of our colleagues' classes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so interesting what they do. And I would sit in my grade school colleague or EC, early childhood colleagues' classes to listen to their stories. Oh, yeah. The storytelling. I mean, I mean, we can say that we can say that Waldorf is based on lots of different things in a way because storytelling is so key. Uh, it's how they teach kids to read basically. Cause you, you know, you hear first, you create pictures in your mind and then, and then you want to, you know, read that on paper and write it. Um, but I think I would take advantage if I was being, you know, like how could I really improve myself? I would take advantage of my colleagues in the like sciences, maybe in the math, cause you know, guess what? I am a bit of a, um, uh, what is stereotype in that I'm definitely arts oriented. Um, and I would love to be taught math or science 
creatively artistically so like let, let's do some astronomy that would be fun mm. I'd love to do that yeah but she's right about the storytelling we as all teachers do we don't get to be in our colleagues classrooms because we're in our own classrooms again you, you know your own job but the times that I have been able to like sit in on a class or observe, I mean it just takes your breath away you're like wow this is what's going it just you're just transported and it, it's so she's right there really isn't a subject I wouldn't be interested in and I mean, other than going to another world in a classroom, if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, I want to go to the Arctic. I want to see that colorful, beautiful ice. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that sounds gorgeous. I want to paint that. Just very interested in light and, and color, huh? <laughs> um, where did that come from? Yeah. I said every time I see a sunset, I just want to paint it yeah. in general. Me, gosh, you know, I would... Anyway, I mean, just oh, like, just travel, question. you know, um, I probably, I, if you, if you were just going to transform me right now, I would probably do Australia, New Zealand, because I've got some friends yeah. down there that I haven't seen in a lot of years and, uh, it's a long way to go. Um, and it's the people there are fantastic. So yeah, I'd probably do that. Well, and I want to go where that guy did that octopus movie. I want to go there too. My octopus teacher. I just love that, but I was like, oh, I want, so I don't, I don't, all the places I want to visit aren't necessarily land-based, you know, either. I'd like to. <laughs> okay. So the moon. Yeah. Ocean. <laughs> for adventure. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'd love we, to go, you know, swim underground for, you know, forever. We've been yeah. a bit city bound. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what is one thing that you're most excited about for this upcoming school year? All of it, really. <laughs> I know it's very hard to choose just one, right? I am super excited about bringing the new ninth grade in. So um, I'm a ninth grade class sponsor. That's kind of, I'm sort of staying at that role. So I could keep, you know, and that's really helpful with the admissions work I do. I can get to know the students as they're going through that mm -hmm. process. So then, and then just the way our, you know, the way our schedule is the first drama block in high school is ninth grade. So I kind of have this just, you know, yummy time that I really get to know them. Mm -hmm. And I see my first sort of job with the ninth grade is to create an ensemble. I mean, it's a very, you know, drama based kind of idea, but I want them to be able to weave together, but also to be themselves, to not be afraid to be themselves in this new group. And that can be really intimidating, right? You know, when you're meeting new people. So I'm excited for that. Um, our drama, our ninth and 10th art blocks, are in the afternoon. So I'll be able to take them to Winnemac Park. And we will, again, for the second year running, we will make theater outside in, in the sun and we'll be climbing trees and, you know, doing all that kind of good stuff. I'm excited about that. And then I'm also excited about, in the 10th grade, we are going to be doing something about storefront theater and ensembles. And, you know, there may be some of those. Yeah, that's Steppenwolf my show up. We, uh, we've had Steppenwolf, um, children ensemble members children at the school so um they you know those two things are very very linked and you so yeah i think one of the things of covid that i really loved is the focus on the students and the and being together that that really is more important than anything else about than teaching you know like you couldn't do all the things you usually did you had to let go of some stuff and in that letting go it really crystallized that and made that the center point so there's a couple of things, projects I've never done before. One is with the 11th grade landscape painting. We're going to be going out into the neighborhood. And um, so I'm excited for our students to be out and be a presence in the neighborhood, you know, painting what they see 
and getting to know their neighbors that way. Hopefully people will come up to them and start a conversation maybe. And then with the, I think with the middle school students, this project I wanna do is creating a map of all the trees and the plants that are in our neighborhood um, as a way to start to understand our place. Like what is this place we're in? Yeah, so I think I'm excited for the students to get out and be able to engage in those two ways and, and perhaps some others as well. Talking about like going out and about in Andersonville and painting in Andersonville, um, do you have a favorite spot? Not, not necessarily for painting, but just in general, either restaurants, um, stores, anything. I do like a little Kopi Cafe. I, I love actually, this is such a great and it, it, you know, as for students, our students have, our high school students have off-campus privileges and, you know, just to be able to, there's just such a variety of things, you know, that they can go eat and drink. And for us as, you know, as, as colleagues and, you know, as teachers to be able to sort of just take, it's so walkable, you know what I mean? Like you can just get out and, and stroll. I will stroll around the neighborhood. I, I love that the Ravenswood it's Ravenswood Gardens, right? You yeah, know, just, that's amazing. Yeah, just we take students down there. They do a little, you know, little lantern walk or a little Halloween walk down there too. It's just such a welcoming environment. There's, I feel like there's something for everything you want to do. If you want five minutes to yourself, you can find a little nook and cranny. If you need a coffee, well, there are, you know, 10,000 places. Um, it's just, it's fun. It feels really fun, you know. Yeah, and, we, and well, we love coffee, so also yes. La Cologne, we can't. <laughs> yeah, sorry, maybe we, I shouldn't have mentioned actual names. You can take that out. But, but I mean, we, yeah, because yeah, I think that's our second office um, for most of us. Uh, but yeah, I think for, for me, I think it is, it's the combination of some industrial par like corridors in, in the neighborhood, along with really interesting house, you know, the houses are all different, and then there's nature, and then there's all those, the shopping along Clark Street. It's just it, there's just so much here. I feel like I haven't only begun to scratch the surface. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I think I'm just going to use my teaching and my classes as a way. Let's go outside and <laughs> see what there is, because all of us doing this together, we're going to learn a lot. So I think in this way, the students will be the teachers as well as, as, as learning themselves. And, you know, I was just reminded the first year we were here, we were able to just kind of go out a little bit. You know, we were brand new. We had just literally unpacked the boxes. And with the 12th grade, um, oh, we, about that. That yeah, cool. we did this. We sort of, it was a sort of a, a space block, I guess. And we wanted to sort of know a little bit more about our community. So we reached out to various members of the community and the uh, Dearborn Denham was one of them. Kopi was another one. Um, Gastrodana was another one. Um, uh, uh, there is a, a, a colleague, uh, not a colleague, but uh, somebody I know here works in advertising. And we met with, um, who's a producer in advertising, we groups of 12th graders went and met with these various people to talk about the community and to talk about what their, you know, those businesses position was in the community. And it was a really nice kind of exchange back and forth between the you know young people and where they might see themselves or you know what a community is and how it works and how it operates. And I'd love for us to sort of you know pick that back up maybe um, or, or build upon yeah, that. I'm actually going to do that with I, another um, lesson or class I teach is called portraiture. You know portraiture, but it's really about identity and people. And so I want to work with that again and have our students 
and so that's another shout out to your listeners. Um, if anybody who's from the community and has a history or a story or experience to share, I'd love to be able to arrange uh, for that person to come in. And if you would like to sit for a portrait or just talk and share your story, because I think, um, again, this is with 12th grade students, it's very important for them to hear other people's real stories. And, and the, just the, that one-to-one -one exchange, there's just nothing better than that to really see how someone else has lived and what they faced and how it felt. I think as we're coming to a close, um, is there anything more that you, although you did just make a statement to the general public, is there any other statements that you would like to make um, or anything that you really like to say to those who are listening right now? Um, I just want to say about the garden project, just to reiterate, basically, that this is an opening of a space and a, a rebirthing, a re, you know, a transformation of a space. And um, this is a, a new beginning. And that's how we see it for ourselves and our students. But we also very cognizant of that that's what it is for the whole neighborhood. And so we just want to very clearly say, you know, hey, neighbor, we would like to get to know you. And um, or if you want to tell us something or share stuff or you have an idea, please get reach out because this is really, you know, at least partially, I think, really important that we could all join together and, and know each other and be good neighbors to one another. Well said. I think we want to. Yeah, we're glad to be here and we really want to get to know you and for you to get to know us. And the more the building can be open, the more we can, you know, yeah. host. But we'll, we'll, the outside would also take care of but that. But the outside yeah, is a safe space, yeah. lit like, literally for COVID. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. We just, it's a new beginning. And so we'd like to just reach out and say hi. That's great. And where can people find or connect with you and the Waldorf School? So, well, we're at 5200 North Ashland. So that's literally where we're located. And we have a website, chicagowaldorf.org. Um, and um, I don't know our phone number off, off, by, off by heart, but also if you wanted literally to contact either of us. Yeah, they could just email us, either of us. And we, you know, if we didn't have, if we weren't the right person for someone, we could easily put you in touch with whoever that would be. So my email is krogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, at chicagowaldorf.org. And mine is S. Wellington, W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N, at chicagowaldorf.org. And no question or no request, I think, is, you know, should be at all held back. We would just really, everything, sometimes the very small little thing is just what's needed and opens up a whole different area. So please take a chance. Thank you all for joining us today, and thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Chicago Wardoff School, please visit their website at chicagowardoff.org. Show notes for today's episode and contact information can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded on Zoom. We thank you for your listenership, and if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our projection. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, 
and for staying always Andersonville.